This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. So Paul asked the question, even in this day, hey, you're going to just keep sinning so God can keep pouring out his grace? No. Because if we keep living in that life, if we keep walking in that, are we ever really fulfilling the fullness of who God created us to be? No. Is God's grace and his mercy beyond anything we could ever imagine? Sure. Is he going to forgive us as we walk through this life as imperfect people falling flat on our face? Sure. But our mindset cannot be a mindset that is set on the thought, I keep sinning, he keeps forgiving. It doesn't work that way. Will he? Sure. But are you missing out on life? Absolutely. So he said, of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ, Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. Since we've been united with him in his death, we also we will also be raised to new life as well. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We're sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin, but now that he lives, he lives forever. He lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive through God, to God, through Christ Jesus. He goes on, and I love the way he says this. He says, don't let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body Become an instrument of evil to serve sin. That's a powerful statement. And the translators of this New Living Translation did a fine job wording that. Do not allow any part of your body to become an instrument to do evil for sin. He said, instead, give yourself completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin no longer is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Why do we practice water baptism? Well, it is simply an outward expression of commitment and obedience to what God has done inside of us. When a person accepts Christ, when a person accepts forgiveness, they realize they need salvation. They realize that they're a sinner, and God calls them 
to, to himself, and he draws them to himself, and that transformation takes place, and this old self then goes away, and God begins building this new creation. It's this intense, this intense transformation that takes place on the inside, right? And your outward fruit, the way you live, should be evidence of what has taken place, right? But we've watched throughout Scripture, even Jesus himself went to John the Baptist, and I, I might get there in a moment, but even Jesus himself got into the Jordan River and was baptized. It's an act, it's an act, a public act saying, hey, I've been forgiven, my life is no longer the same, I've been changed, I've been transformed, this new creation, I love in that video, there was a baby. Did you notice the baby footsteps taking place whenever the, they come back out of the water? It's because something totally new has taken place. And so water baptism is the outward sign, the commitment that we believe takes place. It's something that we do to show that. But what's the, what's the purpose? We've got three different parts of the baptism. You've got the water which would be the substance, the element. You have the minister as the agent, and you have the person who's been saved as the candidate. You with me? One day we're going to go deep into this because in the exact same way this water baptism works, the baptism of the Holy Spirit's the same way. There's three parts. There's the candidate, there's the water, that's the element, there's the agent. When a person is submersed, and we can get into the technical terms of submersion, when you look at the original language of Scripture, to baptize literally means to submerse. And it's important because when somebody literally goes under the water, they go under dry, they come back up wet, they've been changed, right? So there's an obvious difference in the way they look. There's an obvious distant difference because now they're no longer dry. They're wet. When these people get out of this tub in just a few minutes, they're going to walk through this church, and we're going to follow a water trail to the back because they're going to be wet. <coughs> when we accept Christ into our life, there should be a water trail following us everywhere we go. We should be known that we've been in the water. There should be, I told you last Sunday, I want to be known that I've been in the presence of Jesus. But not only are they going to be wet, but they're going to be washed. This water is not clean, but it represents the cleansing. When they go down and they come back up, it, it represents literally a bath that they've taken. Their old self has been literally washed away, and now there's this new creation. It's like when you wake up early in the morning and you splash cold water on your face, and this water's cold. They splash cold water on their face. It's a refreshing. It's something that's it's new. You wake up, and there's this new thought process that goes on, and you can clear your mind. The old's been washed away. But not only that, when they're out of the water, and they're submersed in the water, they go under the surface, right? It literally represents death. 
When, when they're baptized, when, when you, I hope you've been baptized. If not, you can in just a minute. But when the process of baptism takes place, you're out. I'm out of this water. When you go under the water, you're submersed under the surface. And it represents death only for a moment because Christ was only dead for three days. Come on. In an eternity of time, three days is only a moment. It literally represents death. And just like Christ was raised up out of the ground, when he was raised up out of that tomb and his life filled back up and he literally was taken outside of that tomb and he was no longer dead laying there, but God literally robbed that grave of that life, it's represented when that body comes back up out of the water. So there's a lot of, a lot of things that take place in this baptism. It's not just, hey, go jump in the pool, dunk down, and you're okay. There's so much symbolism that takes place. I want to look at Matthew chapter 3 for a moment. It's only a moment. I know what time it is. What really stuck out to me as I thought about this, this celebration today wasn't actually Jesus being baptized, but it was more so John the Baptist. Because in John chapter 3, we see John the Baptist, Matthew chapter 3, I'm sorry. We see John the Baptist out in the wilderness, and we learn something about him. The Bible says, in those days, John the Baptist came to, Judea, to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sin and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. First of all, he went to the wilderness to preach. It wasn't a place that was comfortable. It wasn't a place where everybody was at. If you read the Gospel of Matthew, the people went to him. Multitudes went to him to see him, to hear what he had to say. He's preaching in the wilderness. It's not standing in the pulpit of the church trying to put together this kumbaya church service. We had a meeting yesterday. We, we do church well. What are we doing to change outside of these four walls? What are we doing? What, what is it? What God has put some stuff inside of you. It's not only me. He's put something in you to make a difference, something that can be put in place, some kind of new program, some kind of new healing process. I don't know what it is to see people that are hurt come to this house and see restoration. It, it's not going to be that we change lives by standing in this pulpit and preaching the truth. We can't change lives, period. Amen? All I can do is stand and deliver the gospel to, and deliver truth, and the Holy Spirit will transform lives. But there's so many people that we can't get into this presence, this atmosphere, because we are not create. We're not creative enough. We're think, not thinking outside the box enough. We're not willing to go to the wilderness to preach to them. Not only did he go to the wilderness, but he's clothed in camel's hair and he's living on locusts and honey. This dude is weird. Right? Even for this day and time, he's weird. God's going to call us to do some really weird things. He's going to call us to look really, really different. I'll just say this. I don't know exactly when it will be. If the Lord allows it, I would love to go 
to the Pride Fest downtown and set up a booth and love on people. Because that would be weird. Right? First of all, it's the wilderness, and we look nothing like, maybe we look the same. Our lifestyle doesn't look anything like the lifestyles that are celebrated. Right? John the Baptist was weird. Clothed in camel's hair, living on locusts and honey. But people were attracted to that. Verse 5 says, people from all over, people from Jerusalem and all over Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. I think some of them went just like some of you come here because I'm crazy. You go to see just how crazy things really are. Some people were going because they wanted to see who in the world this crazy dude was preaching the gospel. But as they came, regardless of what attracted them, as they came, they repented of their sin and he baptized them. And in Luke it said, as all the people were getting baptized, Jesus himself was baptized too. We see humility from John. Before the humility, we see the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming up, and they're trying to, of course, point their fingers and correct and straighten everything out. And John's like, Psh, get away from me, serpents. We got a job to do. Family, when people come against you, and they don't like the way you talk, they don't like the way you think, they don't like the way you smile, we pray for anointed smiles around here on Sunday morning. You think I'm crazy. We stand in that lobby and we pray that God would anoint the facial expressions that are on our connection team, on our leadership's face, so that the love of Jesus would be felt by the smile on our face. People are going to come against us from every way, shape, or form. People are going to be, I got a guy that I was working with in Harnett County that I love him dearly, but my Lord, he posted this verse of scripture yesterday and he said, where are all the Christians at? Why aren't you supporting this? And he's bashing going to happen but John didn't stop the mission and I don't really know I, this is just my translation for a moment this is Mitchell when them people come against me and they want to tell me what I'm doing right and I'm doing wrong I don't look at them and say get away from me you serpent it's the thoughts that they put in my mind that I take those thoughts and I take them captive and I say, you get away from my good side of my brain. You get away from what my heart is. You get away from my purpose. Get away from my destiny, you serpent thoughts. Get in your place and get where you are. I ain't mean enough to look at you and call you a snake and tell you to get away, but I sure enough in my brain will tell you what I think. Because if I don't protect what it is that God has instilled inside of me, what the devil would bring against me would destroy all of the good. John's crazy. He's in the wilderness preaching to whoever shows up, and he's dressed like somebody crazy living on locusts and honey. If he don't keep his thought process clear, he's going to be one messed up joker. Right? But then we see the humility. In verse 13, it says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. 
So you and I have an opportunity to carry the baptism. John did not want to baptize Jesus. He didn't feel worthy to baptize Jesus. He said, you're the one that should be baptizing me. Jesus said, it really doesn't matter because we've got a purpose. God's plan has to be fulfilled. And whether you and I feel worthy of delivering the gospel really doesn't matter. Whether you wake up tomorrow morning and feel like it, whether you fall flat on your face tonight and do something stupid and wake up tomorrow morning having yourself a pity party, really doesn't matter. Because God's got a calling and a purpose and a plan, and he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That was not just for me. That was not just for church leadership. That was not just for those people in that day. That was for all of the disciples that would ever come under Jesus' leadership. But then there was something so special. I could go on and on. But when Jesus come up out of the water, he received the Holy Spirit. What happened after he received the Holy Spirit was rough. Because the Spirit led him to the wilderness where he was tempted. He was tried physically, emotionally, spiritually. He went through this temptation season. So something powerful takes place at the point of baptism. It doesn't take place right here in this moment. It may, but realistically, when salvation took place, the Holy Spirit came on each one of us. And the Holy Spirit now dwells within us. There's a baptism that takes place, the baptism that John's talking about. He said, one's coming that's greater than I. He baptizes with fire. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Regardless of what point of the walk we are in receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what we have to know is when we receive baptism, period, the Spirit comes, but then comes trial. Any Christian that's lived this life any amount of time will tell you that it's not perfect. It's not easy. People think that we got it made. Oh, we're just wrong. But we're living under the power of God. Amen? And we're living in a way that we're no longer dead to ourself. We're no longer dead and bound up and our bondage, but we have freedom and we have life. Amen? I don't know when, if, you've ever been baptized in water. If not, for real, we'd be happy to do it for you today. If you ain't got to change your clothes, we'll find something. I think we got some church t-shirts around here we can put on you. But I hope that you have been baptized. I hope you've accepted Christ into your life. My guess is, if I were to take a guess, for many of you it was a very, very long time ago. Right? If we're not careful, as we walk this journey of life, we forget 
where we started. We forget who we were. We forget the struggle of life. If you've ever been delivered from a bondage or an addiction, if you're not careful, you forget that addiction. And though this is just a galvanized tub full of water that we're about to dip some amazing people in, you forget the power that comes with baptism. And so many times we walk around in defeat, we walk around in destruction, we walk around with our head hung down. Why in the world is this going on? You want to throw a party that nobody else wants to go to for yourself to have some pity, but we walk around in defeat. When you accepted Christ and you were dunked in that water, all of that should have been gone. A new creation should have formed. And the Bible tells me that it did, so I know that it did. So if we're not careful, we let whatever it is come back and start creeping its way back in, and we let it start tormenting our mind just enough. Just enough that we forget. That when we were brought up out of that water, symbolically, we were now alive. Given a life, you were given CPR to a dead life. Your spiritual self was literally dying. And because Jesus carried your sin on the cross, we were thrown a lifeline. And when we went through that internal transformation and our life was completely rocked upside down, we don't have to live in that anymore. I know maybe you're not, I'm not really talking to y'all. Maybe you're not getting baptized today. I hope either you've been baptized or the Lord's going to stir something in you for you to be baptized. Jesus was baptized. It's important. Can you go to heaven and not be baptized? Yeah, but why would you want to? Can you be baptized and go to hell? Yes, that would be horrible. But it's possible. You know how it's possible? It's possible because we forget. At some point in our life, we took a commitment, we made a step that they're willing to stand up here and make. You knew that it needed to take place, but somewhere between then and now, we forgot. Some of us need to be reminded. Father, I thank you for the day of celebration that you've given us today. Father, we're going to continue to celebrate here in just a moment as we celebrate life. God, new life that you've given these, God, that have accepted you into their life. They recognize that they need to be baptized, Father, in water. They want that symbolism of going into death and being raised to life with you, Lord. I thank you for that, God. But I'm not willing to let this moment pass by. In this day of celebration without 
allowing somebody who has forgotten where it is you brought them from, exactly where it is that you called them out of, the the place, the trouble, the destruction, the darkness that you brought them from. I'm not going to pass this moment by God without allowing them to remember. And if we've forgotten and we've lived this life as going through the daily routine, going through the motions, Father, I pray you convict our hearts and we ask forgiveness for that today. God, I pray that you bring it to our remembrance as we're here in this celebration service, as we're here in this moment, as we're going to witness these be baptized as they commit themselves publicly to you. They commit their life publicly to you, Lord. I pray that as we the spectators, as we the worshipers stand back and watch, God, we be reminded of the death that our life was and the new creation that you've made us. God, there's some thoughts that need to be taken captive. There's some people that are coming against us. There's some uh, thoughts and situations, Lord, that are tearing us down, and they need to be taken captive in our mind, God, and we need to realize that we have the power through who you are. I thank you, Lord, for the reminding today. In Jesus' name, amen.